This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery, like McKenna, brings a top tier lineup. With Leap Davis-esque delivery right to your door, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Blue Monday podcast. I'm your host, Richard Woodward, and behold, there came three wise men from the East Anglia and presenting to you gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh, or something like that. Um, it, it, this is a Christmas special. This is, um, we have Christmas gifts in the, in, in the respect of guest contributions from Radio Suffolk's Graham Mack, a familiar voice. But now you get to see him in his outfit as well. In my outfit, been... this is what I wear pretty much every every day throughout <laughs> December. This yeah, is a work on. <laughs> Festive cheer, everyone. Um, for those of you watching in black and white, um, Graham is wearing an elf outfit. Um, so for the benefit of our podcast listeners. Um, and oh, I thought, thought it was a giant tomato. Oh, is it? Hey! hey. I've, got the, I've got the trousers as well, actually. I should, He's standing you know, on... Like... Oh, look at that. Oh, amazing. Do your shoes have little... Bells on the end of them as well, Graham. Uh, they do, oh. but I'm just in my socks at the moment. So that's sorry. okay. That's, that's okay. A, a bit of a letdown, but there we go. A, we will forgive you for that. And also joining us, um, a guest contribution from our friends at the Kings of Anglia, the EADT, Andy Warren. Good evening to you, Andy. Good evening. Going, going for the kind of sedate, you know, I'm you know, yeah. chilling out kind of vibe. No outfits Yeah, chill, you. chill out, entertainer. I've got a, a little blue... Little blue Santa hat. It's a bit tight for the heads, but this is great. This is like when washed up boy bands kind of merge. <laughs> this is brilliant. Like busted. It's busted. Great. <laughs> this is brilliant. And we and we will talk to talk about your shirt in a minute because it's of relevance to joining us from the blue the resplendent Blue Monday, the brilliant Blue Monday, because I'm I'm hosting, so I can say what I want. Um, Joe Fairs, good evening to you, Joe, in your um, cream, black, and red away shirt. How the devil are you, Joe? I'm I'm good. I was just thinking this was, this was the most Christmassy Ipswich shirt. A little bit candy cane, I'd say. Yeah, exactly right. A little bit of red in there. It's green on the Abbott Ale logo, so it's it's all good. Um, Andy, tell us about the um, the shirt that's behind your shoulder that most people this, might be able to see. This shoulder here, yeah. This is, a, this is um, lockdown renovation, turning the spare room into a bit of an office. I put some shirts up, and the one that you're talking about, Rich, is the uh, the old playoff playoff final shirt, which um, I've been very fortunate enough to get, get signed over the summer by uh, a fair amount of the guys that, that played in there while we were making a, a little film, which uh, your good self, Joe, were in. I, I forgot to get you to sign it, though, didn't I? Your, uh, your, your, your oh. signature is missing. Burley, Sheepshanks, Stuart, Fairs. That would have taken the value off it. <laughs> <laughs> you could sign the back, Joe. That's fine. There's somewhere on there. That's one for the new year. We'll get the Sharpie out and get Joe to sign it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, talking of um, that brilliant 1990 um documentary video, we'll, we'll be talking. What we're going to do is um, 
Merry Christmas, by the way, guys. Depending on whenever people are listening to this, Merry Christmas, Happy Boxing Day, Happy Christmas Eve, New Year, what have you. Um, we are going to look back through 2020. We are um, going to try. We, we had a bit of a preamble where we set out the rules, which was keep it light and don't, you know, don't mention the, the C word, either of the C words too much. Um, but certainly the one which has got a virus at the end of it, um, which is going to be tricky at certain points. But we are going to canter through the year, trying to pick out the good bits, trying to dissect and analyze the less good bits um, and look ahead to 2021, which frankly is going to have to not try too hard to be better than this 2020 year, which has been an absolute nightmare. But wherever you are, we hope you are well. Um, we are with you over Christmas and we're going to crack on. I don't... Um, Graham, I haven't heard too much from you. You're doing all right, Graham. I just want to check in there because you're, you're. Yes, I'm good. The off on the shelf face to be smiley and happy. I'm good. I've got I've got elves here with me as well. I sure I got an email saying it was like it was kind of festive attire, and Andy's, you know, he's done the job a little bit with the hat. It's but you two guys, it's like it's like Del Boy uh, wearing um the Batman and Robin outfit to the funeral, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I've put lights up for those of you who are listening. That's okay, yeah. Christmas lights. I, I, and this is this is chunky knitwear that is out of the wardrobe, hasn't been worn for a year, and is mm. is back on. So, and I look either like chunky knitwear or milk tray, which generally gets advertised this time of year anyway. So, I think I'm ticking, I'm ticking it You're back. Ticking that okay. You do win best dressed. I think that's. Thank you very much. That's good. I just that's, uh, as long that, that, that's in writing, and there's a possibly a trophy at the end. I'll be I'll be I'll, more than happy to. There'll be a certificate. I'm sure in the post. The exactly the right. Thank you. <laughs> um, so yeah, let's um let's 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 go straight into it with January because January to me kind of all pivots around the first of January where um I, I guess Graham can you enlighten us because um. Do you you're in the studio, obviously um, hosting the match day coverage for Suffolk? Yeah. But you're so, not like Brenner. You're not. You didn't have the joy of Wickham's traffic or anything like that. You no, you didn't have any it. of that. So uh, up until recently, for obvious reasons, I attend all the home games. Although okay. that haven't done this season for obvious reasons because it's quite the setup's quite different now. So so Mick Mill, myself, Mick Mills, and Brenner on a typical Portman Road match day would all sit together and we'd have the away station sat next to us. As things are now. Brenner is sat in his usual seat. Mick has to sit on the row behind him, a couple of meters away. I then, if I was going, I'd have to, I'd get basically get in the way of the opposition station, or I'd have to go behind Mick, and it would just make things ridiculous. So it's just been best for everyone, really, if I've stayed put. Uh, but yeah, prior to that, um, so into last season, I was at all the home games, um, but don't travel to the away games just in case something goes wrong at the away ground and we lose connections and things like that there's always somebody back at base to kind of hold the fort as it were so having hosted the phone in which had presumably got a little bit acrimonious in through november and december when neil warnock's i remember some of the phone ins neil warnock's name might have come up yeah um, what was your thinking about the phone in after the wickham game when paul lambert's four-year contract extension it was just such a bizarre day. I think we, we found the news out about the five-year contract just a couple of hours prior to the program starting. And it was one of those where you had to kind of double-check it. You know, we just had the Lincoln game and, the, you know, the shambles that was that. We'd had the, the very bizarre post-match interview from Paul Lambert after Gillingham, was it, on Boxing Day, when he was kind of suggesting that, you know, maybe he'll be on his way. All of a sudden, a five-year deal. Uh, me and Joe spoke about it on Radio Suffolk a couple of months later. Ago. I put it to you, Joe. What was that the most bonkers decision in the history of football? That's what it felt like. You had all this negativity towards the manager. The results weren't great. He's you know, hinting that he might potentially be moving on. Then all of a sudden, he's here for another five years. A five-year deal. Wow, he's not going anywhere. Uh, we, we had texts prior to, the, to kick off that day saying... Well, this year's over before it's even began. This is <laughs> it, was, it. Just seemed it just seemed crazy. Uh, and then post match after the the Wickham draw, um, he, he Paul Lambert mentioned, and this might be my last gig. And I thought at the time that that sounds quite defeatist, really. You know, you're still only fifty. You arguably your best years, and you, you should be thinking maybe your best years in management are are ahead of you. I know he's had success in the past, but this might be my last gig. And it, it just felt very flat. And it was another, 
not a very busy phone in, shall we say, off the back of what had been a really, really busy one after the, the Lincoln game, which was which was just horrific. Oh. And we were all just it was one of those you got home that night, you're just scratching your head thinking, Wow, this it's the football club in terms of broadcasting, in terms of print journalism, it's the club that keeps on giving, isn't it? Really? There's 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 always something around the corner. People might say People might have said in years gone by, oh, the football's boring, the football's not up to scratch, but blimey, it's it's not without event at Ipswich Town, it really isn't. Andy, were you, were you rubbing your hands together with kind of clicks and uh, all that kind of stuff, or were you thinking, oh man, I'm going to have four years of, <laughs> well, let's be honest, four years, let's let's wait and see. I know Joe is kind of just stewing there, I'm, I'm going to go to Joe <laughs> last on this one, but, um, but yeah, what was your take? Uh, first, first and foremost, it interrupted what is the best pre-match food League One has had to offer so far. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. Las- like, yeah, home-cooked lasagna, garlic bread. I'd got there, sat down eating that, and then a phone call from uh, the club media manager. Uh, just a heads up, about to announce a new five-year deal for Paul Lambert. Just like Graham's just said, it's just you're just shocked, aren't you? It just it was just so after the week that had led up to that to end it. To end it with that was to, and to start a year like that was just bizarre. True, yeah. truly, truly bizarre. We were told the contract like was whisked down the motorway from Ipswich to meet in the hotel. Like they actually brought a contract. It was literally signed that morning. Oh wow! So, so it very, very strange way to start the year. Joe, you um, obviously you're you've you've not really given your views on Paul Amber much over the last year or so, um, but. From an objective point of view, um, this this is kind of not only was the timing strange because of the results that have preceded it, but um, this has now held us back potentially from making important strategic decisions that you know we'll go through the rest of the year. There have been intervals where you kind of think, you know, if he's on a one year or two year contract, it seems like a no brainer type decision. But does this now feel like handcuffs that might hold the club back from your perspective? Yeah, it, it does feel like it's just a massive millstone because whatever the terms are of the contract, it's it's going to be a lot more expensive to sack him with that contract than it would be with the existing one that he had, which would have been up this summer. He had 18 months to run on it. But like I said, like the guy said, it was just an absolute shock when the contract came. I, I, I went to Wickham that day and there was sort of six of us in the car. We sort of, just as we were parking up, the sort of tweet came through, sort of everyone's phone sort of exploded from all the group chats they're in of all these messages coming through <laughs> as we walked out there's like another car of sort of mates where there's sort of four or five and that and everyone just was like what the is going on here that is just crazy and sort of and out, out the back of Wickham there was like a big fan zone and every single fan had the same reaction and as I wasn't expecting them to be sacked then but I think if you'd have asked 100 Ipswich fans is the manager going to be sacked or is the manager going to sign a new five-year contract I think 100 would have said sacked ahead of that contract it's just crazy and i and I, like I say it's obviously an expensive commitment for marcus evans and who knows what the break clauses are but i can't imagine they're cheap and sort of with the way the season totally collapsed after he'd signed the contract would he have still been here this season without that new contract yep that i guess we'll sadly never know but i can probably we can probably speculate as, as we have done at great length um moving things on i mean the wickham performance um was not too bad. Uh, at least it was um, a non-defeat to a top 10 club, which we've talked more about that throughout the year as well. Um, but I, I guess there's there's a few bits. And obviously, January window, Andy, um, do you guys like the January transfer window or covering Ipswich? Is it just like like for us supporters, it's just total pointless <laughs> activity at just four weeks wasted? I can handle the January window. I'm I'm okay with that. It's the summer. It's the summer one that does me because it's it's quite stressful actually for like three, particularly this one where the, essentially the transfer window is open for six months. It's a lot. It's a very different time of year for for how we do our work. If that makes sense, a, a lot more time on the phone, a lot more trying to piece things together. Quite nice to get to speak to people that I don't speak to for the rest of the year, but. Um, this January was pretty underwhelming, wasn't it? We're, we're talking about Josh Earl here, aren't we? Essentially, um, Levi Ando had uh, <laughs> two, two. Yeah, 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 yeah. Josh Earl online, but that was announced in about November. The Levi Ando deal, so true. Like Get the down then. <laughs> um, but I, I guess um, business out was probably the most notable thing. Um, yeah, um, Bartosz Biakowski's 
deal to Millwall was kind of confirmed, albeit a little bit silliness with the negotiations mm. about the fee for that one. Um, Jordan Roberts goes out. Enciala goes out on loan to Bolton. Elmer Zuni on loan to Cambridge. Falami to Stevenage. Um, any 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 insights or, or thoughts on these deals? I guess the bar deal was inevitable. It was just a shame yeah. perhaps that we kind of basically we shrunk the market to just Millwall, didn't we? Basically, I think. Yeah. And basically the reduced me- the, the likely fee. Yeah. The me- the mess was made in the summer with that one. Um just yeah, that it was hard for it was hard to break that loan, which would they'd obviously would have had to do to to move him anywhere else. And yeah, the mess was made in the summer, but just had had to go by that point. Um how many of you thought that that was that was it for Toto? Because I certainly did. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think I didn't, I didn't think we'd be seeing Toto yeah. a starting centre back come come the start of the following season. Um, that was uh, where did it? It just went to Cambridge then, didn't he? Uh, yeah. um, which was a really good loan move for him at the time. Sadly, this this second one hasn't quite hasn't quite panned out as well as we thought it might do. He's a bit behind Wes Houlihan, I think, in in terms of pecking orders and stuff, but. I want to see more of Idris. Uh, I'm you're a fan of Idris, aren't you, Joe? He's uh, he's yeah, someone I want. He's someone I want to see a lot more of. Personally, I'd have if it was a case of sort of getting one of him or Dobra out. I think Dobra was the one that needed more fine tuning for the first team, and especially the sort of way that we've religiously set up this season with this four-three-three. That you could say that Idris could play either of the two four sort of the two wide forward roles or the two effectively forward midfield roles or even at a push to hold a midfield role. He's very versatile. And I think that that could have made a, where well, he'd have got a lot of games had he stayed here just with the way the season's turned out. Um, moving on to other business. I mean, there, there were, there was chat about bids from Brighton for Dobra um, and Sheffield United were linked with Wolfen in which um, perhaps the Dobra one was more possible or likely at that point. Um, I, I, just to finish January off, there's, there's, two bits of kind of cup news that I kind of want to get views on. Um, Graham, you guys cover the ITFC women's team. And to be honest, in 2020, um, they're generally the, the shining light, aren't they, in terms of performance been, on the field? Um, absolutely brilliant. I think um, if you had to say, you know, that perhaps we'll be doing this later, you know, in terms of rating managers and, and players and, and things like that, out of 10, if it was if it was the women's team, you'd be getting 10s and, and possibly 11s across the board. It's been just a terrific season and I felt so so bad for them uh, when it got brought to an end when it was you know they were, yeah. they were a shoe in for going up they'd had the excellent cup run I think the way they have started this season as well you know fingers crossed something like that doesn't happen again but the fact that they have come back and they've actually kicked on even more um, the the performances have just been have been magnificent what is it now is it 22 goals in three FA Cup games and granted two were qualifiers and um, one was against Norwich they were always going to they were always going to beat them but um, they've just been they've been brilliant the way they're the way they're organised they just go for the, for the juggler with teams and, and I think you know a lot of other sides would have lost so you know massively to Manchester City might have struggled to kind of come back from that but what was it their next game they went to yeah. Norwich and, and put what was it 10 past yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, lost, yeah. they lost 10 nil and then won 10 nil for February but that's fine because the news in January was um that they beat Huddersfield and I think they became I think they might, might have been the first fourth tier women's team into the fifth round yeah that's and right Dream Man City which was obviously massive news um but yeah I mean as you said um you know just to get to Man City was a massive achievement um, and then, yeah, the result obviously not what they would have hoped for, but yeah, bouncing back with a <laughs> we are am are bouncing back um, with another with another ten nil um, against Norwich as well. Um, it's, it's it's the total polar opposite. You've got high scoring games, a team that cares about the cups and is doing is in the right place in the league table. It's um, we'll talk more about them later um, on in the year. Uh, oh, okay, I'll save my bit well, for later then. That's right. Saying, and, and whilst they do beat sort of teams that sort of the hashtag United's, the Bill Rickies and sort of maybe some teams that are at a lower level. When you look at the sort of under 21 team, I think they've, I think they're top of the league at the moment. And that is a seriously competitive league. It's sort of like your Liverpool's Arsenal's they're, they're, they're beating the real top opposition at that level as well. And six or seven in the England sort of under 19s and 18 squad. So the future looking very bright for the girls mm. there. Yeah. Um, Andy, um, there was a lot of, 
um, hype about the EFL trophy. Um, Luke Chambers said that Wembley final will be a great day out for the fans. Um, and then Paul Lambert basically picks, you know, it's it's a rotated team. It's the youth players who got us into the, was it the quarterfinal, I think, against Exeter? Yeah. Was it the fifth round or... I don't yeah. really understand the format of the trophy, I'll be honest. But, <laughs> southern, the Southern quarterfinal, wasn't it, mate? Yeah, fine, okay. Um, but f- And then suddenly to, to chuck in a lot more of the senior pros and to go out in the last minute and to really flatter to deceive again. Were you hoping for a trip to Wembley? I love that competition. And I know it's got I know it's got people that knock it. I really enjoy that competition. It's I like seeing I like seeing the young players. I like seeing the switched around kind of mix and match blended sides. I really enjoy it. So yeah, I'd have lo- I'd have loved to have, have gone with it switched to to Wembley for that. I've I've covered a, a trophy final before with with Swindon when I was covering them. It's great. In fact, they took 30,000 fans that day. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So to see the way that it's been treated this year is maybe a little bit different, but it, it, make, it makes me sad because it's a trophy and you can yeah. win that. And, and it, you know, it, it's something I really enjoy, but you're right that day. It was a, a bit of a switch, wasn't it? I think people like, like Wolfenden played in that. Andre played in it okay. in that game that day. Yeah. Jackson yeah. and Norwood both came off the bench. Um, they tried to win it. They definitely tried to win it. Um, Will Keane, when when Will Keane got that equaliser, uh, you, you you sensed that Ipswich would probably go on and win that game at, at that point, while also flattering to deceive. But but it, for it to be Lee Martin that denied us <laughs> denied us a penalty shootout as well, which is always fun. Um, yeah, I, I left quite up. I left quite sad that day, particularly because it's such a long drive home. But um, yeah. Try and win it, please. It's um... another way for Wembley as well. Yeah, we're, I think one of only nine professional clubs who've not been to the new Wembley. Oh, almost less than that now. It's is it getting, LS? It's getting down to oh, six. Yeah, six, six have been there twice. Yeah, yeah. It's two documentary. Yeah, yeah. It's um, yeah. It's really minimal now. Um, Embarrassing. It's got to happen one day, isn't it? Has it? <laughs> or does it? Or, or doesn't it? <laughs> I don't know. There must be some kind of curse there that we need to figure out. It's not good. Um, on the on the league front, just to, before we move into February, because it's kind of light and shade. Because January there were three wins, um, two draws, and a, and a defeat. Um, the defeat though is right at the end of the month. Um, but Town finished the month third, um, only two points off top spot. Um, but then this this transition into February, and we start playing these top ten teams, and this is where. You know, spoiler alert, the season's going to be ended on, on points per game. And it's these defeats that have just punctuated the whole of Lambert's tenure, at least in League One level, to, you know, these rival teams. That is, is the reason that we're now going to be in the top six. Um, we, we lose to Rotherham, I think it is, at the end of January. Then we go on to lose to, to Sunderland. Um, I th- let me get the fixture list up here. Let's Peter get this right. was in there as well, wasn't it? That was so the Peterborough 4-1, more which was... Graham, do you remember the Peterborough four-one phone? And that must have been pretty. Yes, nasty. the Peterborough game. Peterborough just came and were just—they were excellent on the day. Yeah. Uh, they just—they they had what uh, Schmodix and Tony, and they just—they completely ran the show. And there was one period when I, every time they went forward, I thought this is going to be another goal here, and yeah. and it usually was. They were in, ter- in terms of how clinical they were in terms of you know the final third. They really showed how town were you know. Town was showing up. They, they were really found wanted in that area. Peterborough just went forward, scored all the time. Town, had, you know, talking about the end of January into February, Town had kind of re-established themselves, hadn't they? We'd had this mm-hmm. really dour period with the with the Lincoln result, and then all the confusion over the manager's new deal. We should say that the manager and the and the owner weren't confused. That was awesome, but we were all left scratching our heads. But they'd re-established themselves with results like Burton and, and Accrington when they looked good on the day. Remember Norwood's goal against Accrington? That lovely mm-hmm. little and it was like yes you know they they can do it they have got a good team um but then it it, it fell apart and yeah the peterborough game was one of those when you thought right <laughs> there are other teams in this division sadly that that seem to maybe want it more and, and are just better than town and yeah that was one of those days when i think a lot of people rightly or wrongly kind of threw in the town and thought this isn't going to happen for town this year yeah, but because in sorry, in January it did feel like there was a little bit of hope coming because the manager signed a new contract and, it, and they'd said they'd had this big sort of after the Lincoln game, they'd all had it out with each other in the dressing room for an hour or so. And 
after that game, we then picked, we went 3-5 to Wickham. And then for the next four games, we sort of won our home games, drew our away games. We were naming an unchanged team, unchanged style. It's like we might have actually just stumbled stumbled upon something that might give us enough just to keep us right up in contention here. Because, and like I said, we got 10, 10 points from the five games in sort of immediately after the contract sign, which is effectively what we needed to do. But then it just, I don't think, like whilst a, a number of fans still weren't overly confident, overly happy with it, I don't think anyone envisaged, envisaged it falling apart just as badly as it did, where we went from... 10 points in five games. And what did we get in the last nine games? Was it four points, was it? Something like that, yeah. I'm, I'm, there was a draw against um, Wimbledon and a win over Burton. Then we in lost February, every other game, wasn't it? And then yeah. defeat from that point on, yeah. Um, I, the the Peterborough game was just... I, I remember it was like the start of the season in a way because you turn up at the start of the season and you think, um, all bets are off. You know, today we're going to turn up and we're going to win and we're going to, you know... The charge to the playoffs begins, but the, the fact that you know it, it was Peterborough who you know they're quite bold and brash in League One, and um, you kind of this hoodoo that's hanging over us to lose so convincingly and to have contributed to so many of the goals as well. You know, there's there's a couple Will of Norris. howlers in there, aren't there? That and and this yeah, this just concentration against the bigger teams, and then Sunderland we um, battered them for 45 minutes, didn't score. And then obviously the inevitable sucker punch there. Um, and Joe, do you remember the Wimbledon draw? The nil nil, was it Plough Lane? I mean, yeah, a lovely pair of yellow socks on display that day, wasn't there? So, so as a, <laughs> That's as my a one off. <laughs> but, but it was one of those ones. I, I did have a ticket, but I ended up not going in the end. I, I passed it on because I'd. I think I had some something to do that day and it was not inspiring me to get down there, but it was just the case. You saw the team announced and it was like three centre-backs and then it was two full-backs. I can't remember the exact team, but it was like Josh Earl as one full-back. Somebody, oh, who, I can't remember, who, maybe Dinashian as right full-back. It was almost like a, a flat-back five, three deep-line midfielders and was it Downs, Dizel and... Scoose Downs and Dizel, yeah. maybe. And then just... Hughes. Oh, huge, yeah. And yeah. it was just like, you've got five defenders, you've got three midfielders that aren't getting forward, and you've got two strikers. You could see how that game was going from when the team was announced, and it played out exactly as you expected it to. And, and at that point, it's just like, we're we're in trouble now because we've got a tough run of games coming up, and we just do not look like we've got any goals in us. And, well, like I say, we didn't know where the COVID was going to take the season. Sorry for mentioning it, but That's right. we, did, we didn't know You'll where the season... One. We didn't know where the season was going at that point, but we were really slipping away from contention there as the points per game table showed at the end of the season. And like I say, there was always this talk, oh, well, we've got a good run in. We just need to get to that running. But we would never have made it from where we were. We, we were so far adrift. We played more games than everyone. Because there's this this weird, because we saw this in January when, you know, we, we talked about October, October, well, sorry, November and December had been so poor. Then you've got this run of three defeats on the well, two defeats on the bounce, three defeats on the bounce. Sorry, Rotherham, Peterborough, Sunderland, a draw, a nil-nil draw, which is as good as a defeat, frankly, away at FC Wimbledon. And then you, and then we slap Burton four-one. You know they scored quite early on, but then we totally dominated. And you and you, it's just such schizophrenic performances, and you just don't know where you where you stand. But you know, Graham, we we constantly see this. We we beat the teams. The uh, bottom half of the table, and build up some confidence, and then it just totally dissipates as soon as someone half decent turns up. You know, we yeah. did. We, Oxford came after that, and that was a, I, I think I missed that one. That was a home defeat, but that was when we actually played quite well in until they scored. But the other games were just well, they're going to score, and then we cannot touch them. Is, is this a confidence thing for you, Graham? This I I don't know where it is. I mean, this I know. We'll, touch on this season shortly but in all the games against the top sides I guess Sunderland and Lincoln and the manager will be first to point this out as well they were a little bit hard done by with decisions but still it's what it's six games against those kind of teams above them if you like that's the, the top sides up until the, the table changing recently and I know Accrington are kind of in there now and you, you could argue that Accrington are a top side well well town beat them this season beat them comfortably at home last season but yeah Immediately after the, the win over Burton, I think you look at the teams above town at the time, it was six played, six defeats. Below them, 12 played, unbeaten, 10 wins. There's 
surely there is something there. And I think I think games like the Peterborough one, um, where they were, you know, so kind of easily put put to the sword by them, that's got to have some sort of some sort of edge. Maybe it doesn't help that we as uh, as supporters as as media pundits are talking about it all the time. We're only going to stop talking about it when it actually changes. That they yeah. are there to be shot at in that department. They've got when everyone's fit, they've got teams good enough to go out and get results against these sides. For whatever reason, it's not happening. All right, we'll, we'll talk about the season ends. Spoiler alert on points per game in a bit. Um, and Andy and I, we, we've we had a chat about Rotherham and Coventry being, you know, well organised, well drilled, well coached, mm-hmm. but just consistent. They didn't lose too many games, and you kind of think, you know, the the one nil to Sunderland should have been a point, and and you kind of take an away point at Sunderland. I think um, even the, the the Rotherham game kind of had. I, th- I think that was in, in January, to be fair. But had it had a f- sense of Mick McCarthy. Oh man, that's almost as bad as the C word. But you turn up, you're battered, but don't concede, and, and you know every point's a prisoner if you'd offer me it on the you know I wouldn't have got on the bus. But we just can't squeeze those kind of points out from those fixtures. And, and what you're doing, Andy, is gifting three points to the teams um, ab- ab- above or around you. And teams below you will pick up points and push you downwards. It just needs yeah. to turn these defeats to draws, and the situation isn't nearly yeah. as bad, is it? That's all it needs to be. Wins, wins, to, especially on the road. Wins, wins to draws, and you're in business. But like you said, you're putting the Wimbledon game as an example. There, you're you're putting so much pressure on that trip to AFC Wimbledon now that you end up drawing nil nil. That would have been okay had you been had you been getting results at Sunderland at Rotherham squeezed out that point but you you then you you then have to be perfect almost against anyone underneath you to even to even be in that mix but i don't know what it is but it, it just feels to me that for a long time ipswich just cannot cannot deliver in the big moments and that and that goes for not so big moments like a, a sky tv game like yeah, when, or when ticket people, promotion yeah, yeah exactly exactly that like, when people are watching, that seems to be the moment where it falls flat, and that's a really worrying, really worrying habit that you, you've got to kick somehow. Otherwise, the whole thing just can't move forward. But yeah, it's uh, very much themes being set in February and March here that we're we're still going to be talking about when we get through to the November December time, isn't it? It's all all worrying and 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 quite sad. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like home comforts. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home advantage with Mook Delivery. You win. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Blue Monday are delighted to be partnered with TalkSport Fan Network and NordVPN, giving you the best possible offering for browsing the internet securely. NordVPN opens up global streaming options for content not available in your region by switching your virtual location quicker than Wesburn's running down the wing. NordVPN acts like your cyber Sam Morsey whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like passwords and credit card details from falling into the wrong hands. For about the price of an ITFC match program a month or a Blue Monday Telegram subscription, you can get yourself a NordVPN account which can be used across six different devices. If you need to rapidly change direction like Amari Hutchinson, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Blue Monday or click the link in the podcast or YouTube subscription to be taken straight there, supporting us here at Blue Monday in the process. I mean, rounding out the end of February, this is something we haven't seen so far this season. Is is kind of the inevitable 
um, folding in the very last minute. The the go up one end and try to win the game, and then don't defend the counter attack and get sucker punch. There was a couple of sucker punch moments mm. last in the last half of the season, but th- this one is kind of the worst, and it kind of felt grudgingly inevitable. I think is it Liam Feeney who gets an assist for the for the Blackpool winner, but the angst is is starting to build, and you know. <laughs> There's, there's there's more bad news in that um you know Vincent Young I've I've just got I've got some kind of quotes from the from the press because Kane Vincent Young was two to three weeks away from return by the way in February um <laughs> I just thought I'd chuck that in there but Norwood goes out injured and he, he has an adductor problem and he's out until April and the injuries are starting to bite at this point um uh, and then you kind of move into into March and you know we've we've starting to see the impacts of COVID a little bit. That had been, see where, sorry, but it started off in kind of February time around the Sutherland game is when it started to be talked about. But this Fleetwood match on the on the 3rd of March, this kind of 1-0, this is again an example of, you know, fine margins. You know, it's a, it's a well-taken goal a bit, question marks about Holy's goalkeeping for it. But Joey Barton likes to rub it in as well. And he's made comments about Ipswich a couple of times now, Graham, and you, kind of thing he's got a point you know he mentioned earlier in the season that this is possibly the worst team in, a, in kind of living memory of Ipswich Town and I think that's that's fair enough and you know he was quite candid about his views of Ipswich post-match he was, he was very I just remember him being very bred was it his pre-match uh his pre-match press conference when he said um if you look at my career trajectory, it's going like that. But Paul Lambert's is going, it's going the other way. Is it like, and it was like, oh, already he was stirring it up. Can and I just when, say that? When he got the result, is, we need to pause. When he got the results at the end. When he got the results at the end, I thought, oh. But I could see um, going into this season, I, I could see, I, at the time, I thought Fleetwood are going to be there or thereabouts going into next season. But so far, yeah. Joey. It happened, yeah. Two defeats on the spin at the moment. Yeah. Oh, Fleetwood. Um, but but he's kind of, yeah, he, he kind of had our number there, Joey Barton. Um, and then talking about the hand holding celebration as well, wasn't he? Yeah, he was. Yeah, the old he, man. And he, was bang, he was bang on, though, wasn't he? He was, he was absolutely yeah. bang on with it. You kind of look at that photo now and kind of, oh, <laughs> a bite. bite but I think hand. even at the time, I think most people thought, what are we doing here? in the players look so uncomfortable doing it, and it's just like Andre Dazelle in particular. If you ever see the video, just look at Andre. He, uh, it's Stuart not... Taylor there, like really sort of like, go on, do it, and it's like <laughs> we don't want, we don't want to though. <laughs> we just think you're jilling them, and they've, only, they've even got to stand with a roof, and we're doing it. Um, the post-match kind of Fleetwoods with a it's a mid midweek game, so Midland is not going to get to the midweek games but that was kind of when the crowd started to turn a lot more there have been pockets of it Peterborough was obviously pretty bad as well I think Fleetwood was the biggest turn and in that the atmosphere in the ground that night because they just scored early and just totally shut up we didn't we didn't touch them after that that it it really did turn I was and I was sort of expecting it to be a little bit more negative because I think we played Coventry on the Saturday after that but then on the Saturday Mm. even though we were just as poor the atmosphere wasn't anywhere near as I don't, I don't know why, but it just seemed on that Tuesday night that it was, it was right on sort of Tinder. That was well, not mm. Tinder. I don't know. It was Lambert and Tinder Evan. box atmosphere. I was going to oh, say. Yeah, yeah both, there was all both, the, um, you, you don't know Evan. what you're doing, so wasn't there? There was a lot of that aimed at Evans. That was if, if the turn of the year and the Lincoln defeat was kind of where it all kind of fell apart in terms of supporters at an away game that that was certainly the moment at home wasn't it like you say Andy d- during the game the owner was getting it um in in large spades for really and then it, yeah the full the full time the booze were it. and I think you, get, you say it wasn't as bad at the Coventry game it was almost like there was a there was an acceptance that night wasn't it this this really isn't going to happen Coventry are probably a better team than us if they win who's who's surprised by that yeah that Coventry, the form team at the time, the yeah. top of the league. And was Coventry just one nil as well? Yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah I think we were all relieved that it was all one nil. Yeah, 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 and that's all it takes. And and certainly the Coventry game where where I was at was there was a sense that you, we were never, you know, so many games where you watch Ipswich in the third tier and you think we are never going to score. 
this is just not going to happen. And Coventry is one of those lots of, you know, we've talked about, we'll talk about possession stats in a bit. I, I don't even but, think we huffed and puffed though in those games. No, no, no. And, and at home as well. Go on, Andy, sorry. I, this, this relating huffing and puffing and not being able to score, the amount of times I must have written that sentence or a variant <laughs> of it. It's, it's, kind of, it's kind of the football reporter's cliche. Town huffed and puffed for the final half an hour, but couldn't mm-hmm. find a way through. And, that, and, that's, and that's the sorry, sta- sorry tale of Ipswich Town, sadly. And, and that's, that's the story of, of this, the season proper, really. Coventry is it. Um, we had elbow celebrations from the Coventry players in the North Stand and, and everything kind of, the whole world goes a little bit crazy. Um, you know, we've talked about the the women's se- season is made null and void pretty early on, actually. Um, and then we've got the kind of, will they, won't they end the season in the, e- in the EFL? And, you know, sorry, just to add this in, judges out for the rest of the season in, in March. A lot of chatter about the, the, the games where we've got five at home and only three away. Um, but yeah, everything ends quite quickly. Euro 2020 is postponed until next year, pretty much straight away. Um, there was a five-point protest that kind of came into existence and then obviously subsided because yeah. there's nowhere to go. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, guys, um, you know, the, the stats for that half of the season, or sorry, for the, for the 1920 season as it was, um, is that uh, we end up um, 10th um, and then I'm demoted down to 11 on points per game. Um, we'll go through the summer because there's some funny proposals that get made about how we can keep the season alive. But um, Jackson Norwood are the top scorers in the league with 11 um, assists. Jackson has seven. Judge has four. Um, we're the most um, carded team in the division as well. Um, but this is not the way that people wanted the season to to play out, obviously. But certainly... There was no signs that had the game had the season panned out, anything would have been any better, would it? I think the part of that season that's what was it? First fifteen games, thirty-three points, and a lot of people were all you know <laughs> shirts around their head saying, you know, it is going to be a, a League One tour. Nineteen points from the remaining twenty-one games, and while they've not beaten top sides this season, I've heard a couple of people say, "Oh, it's relegation form from town." Well. It's not, but but that is that t- for twenty-one games, nineteen points. That was they, they were among the worst teams in the division for for more than half a season. But yep. the town were, thank heavens for that really good start, because mm. where because where might they be? And that, and they weren't playing top teams throughout those twenty-one games. They were losing to, you know, teams in in the lower echelons of league during that time as well. Just to give you the the numbers here, end of February we are ninth, nine points off first. By the time the season ends, I just mentioned we're tenth, but we are fifteen points off first position. I mean, that is that's a real sad indictment of of the way the season panned out. Um, I mean, just going so when you see where we were at the start, sort of Graham said thirty three after fifteen. We also had twenty seven points after eleven games. It was an unbelievable start, really. As as good a at that point, I think us and Liverpool were the two teams in the country with the best records. They went on to win the league by 20 points. We went on to finish 11th. And these these eight remaining games, five home, three away. I mean, Andy, you would have probably heard about these five home games from Paul Lambert quite a lot because, you know, in there is Southend and Bristol Rovers and Bolton, you know, Portsmouth and Doncaster are the toughest fixtures we've got. Um, do you think we would have that kind of massive rally up to the playoffs would have happened because at that point you're so far off that and every, everyone had games in hand on us as well. Yeah, yeah. this was that this was the problem. Like when when you were talking that Burton win that kind of felt like it was maybe re-establishing Ipswich a little bit. It moved them up the table, but you just had to look underneath and there were sharks circling underneath. It was it was never it the table never was never true from that point onwards. And and while I'm sure, I think they'd have finished eighth or ninth maybe. Had had the season been played out, they'd have beaten Bolton at home, they'd have beaten Southend at home, but they'd have lost to Portsmouth. They'd have. I, I can't see the. Tr- I couldn't see the trends ending. I think it would have. They'd have got the benefit of their home games by beating Bolton, beating. I think they have Rochdale as well at yeah. home. Maybe yeah. they'd have beat. They'd have won those games, but that would okay, only. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they'd have got up to. They'd have gone up to eighth, maybe, maybe seventh, but that. So we'll- 
it, it's not enough, was it? No, I, I, re- I remember looking at this that sports club stats website where it gives you all the millions of combinations. And to get to what we needed for the playoffs, it was almost like win six, draw two. That's what we needed from the last eight games. It, we needed something like 19, 20 points to give ourselves a sort of 60, 70% chance of getting in the playoffs. And I say the club seemed to make out that all we needed to do was have a good record over the last eight games. We would get in the playoffs. So we needed sort of an incredible record over, the, over those last eight games. It was more than two points a game, wasn't it? Let's, um, so it's, it's Rotherham, Coventry and Wickham end up going through the playoffs. Um, your thoughts on, I don't think there's much debate about Rotherham and Cov. Certainly Rotherham has beaten us twice at home, did what they needed to do, well coached. Same with Coventry. Um, Wickham, probably a bit of a... The playoffs was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? I'm trying to... Um, Oxford. Fleetwood. Um, Fleetwood. Wickham. Wickham and one other. Portsmouth. I can't Portsmouth. Um, did you have Wickham as, as the favourites to go up? I think everyone maybe thought Fleetwood might do it. Fleetwood or Portsmouth, as I said at the time. Yeah. But I was I was really pleased for Wickham. Thought, I just thought, what an achievement that is. A lot of people had them... You know, d- down for bottom four that season. Gareth Ainsworth did a did an incredible job. Um, tough start for them in the championship. They've they've got a few points on the board. I, I really hope they I really hope they stay up. Yeah, they're dug in, haven't they? Yeah, doing well now. Yeah. Um, they, they, they were incredibly lucky. The season ended when it did. When it went to yeah. game. I think one more fixture. Like when you saw the sort of direction of travel and taking Ipswich out of it, Peterborough were in Joey Barton's terms, going like that. And Wickham were going like that. And I don't think it would have taken much more for Peterborough to have been in the championship and Wickham to be in League One. Was it 0.02 of a point or something Peterborough Mm. missed out on? And like you say, they were the the flying team. And we we knew how good they were a couple of months prior when they came to to Portman Road. They were excellent that day. I'm going to kind of go through the summer because obviously we've got lots of politics and EFL and rescue packages and stuff like that. But there are some other bits and pieces I wanted to pick up. The first is um, we're in April now um, and Ipswich Town go out of the Football Manager 20 Cup in the second round to Luton Town. Um, Sack the manager. The manager's got to be to blame for that, hasn't he? Who who did they lose to? Luton Town, yeah. Looking for a cup set, but unfortunately... They weren't able to get it despite being mm. the better side. Tira Buffo so, won't. So, you know. Yeah, I don't I'm know. I'm trying to do, I'm trying to find excuses. If you don't know what we're talking about, by the way, um, Joe, you were you, out of, I don't know how, a pool of how many people you were nominated as the Ipswich Town representative in a, in a football manager tournament where teams faced off against each other. They were simulated, weren't you? And as the FM researcher, that kind of makes sense. Um, tell us about it and, and, how that came about and, and what was your system because we need to dissect it and figure out where you went wrong. I, I can't remember it, all the details of it to be fair, but so I I had a, I played against a team and the guy I was playing against had some dodgy sort of Russian tactics when he kept going to his yeah. tactics screen. It's like you've, you've downloaded some, I, I was expecting to like have some Novichok poisoning come through my screen if I managed to hold on to victory, but it was I managed to beat, I think it was Port Vale, potentially someone like that, but um, beat them and then went into the next round and lost to Luton. So I was sort of, it, by the end of it, I was getting quite nervous sort of the games as it, <laughs> as, it beca- as it became quite a big deal. It's sort of like, if I lose this first game, it's going to be quite embarrassing. So I was glad to beat the League Two side and then Didn't lose. Didn't time, didn't you? No, I can't. I, I genuinely can't I remember. remember sort of, yeah. And you know. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I think they lock it out completely. <laughs> there were some red cards involved as well, I think, yeah, there, yeah, along, yeah, along yeah. the way. And so um, down to what I've got a red. He, he normally does for me. But like I say, once I lost to Luton in championships, I was almost quite relieved to be out of the tournament because the pressure was too much for me. Well, there's a kid in the field. You haven't well. represented big clubs. That's why. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I, I need to play for big teams. <laughs> Have a save with Dortmund and then you can do the Ipswich job. Um, there was a, a kid who did the FIFA one equivalent. And the trouble is you just, Twitter is just, it's just streams of people's consciousness, consciousness that's not filtered. I assume, Joe, you got sticked, didn't you? Like this, I remember the kid who did FIFA got, a, I could do better than that. And then he ended up playing for a week. All of these guys giving it the big one on Twitter <laughs> and pretty much beating all of them, I think. So, I think. I think I handled the stick I got better than he did. 
Yeah, okay. it was just sort of water off a duck's back. He's been media trained, so water off a duck's back, media trained. Yeah, exactly right. Um, moving through, we uh, we're into May. Um, Andy, we talked about the twentieth anniversary of the Wembley playoff win. I mean, that was something to be excited about, and a bit depressed that it's twenty years I know. since our last playoff win. I know um, it's crazy, isn't it? That it's that long ago. I, I think we talked we talked about this the other day, and. For all, like Lam- Paul Lambert talks about, this club's got no right to go back to the Robson era. It's the Burley era that I think this this crop are being judged against now. Because for a generation of fans, that that was the day that, and then the season that followed, obviously. But twenty years, it makes it's making me feel old. Yeah, uh, thinking back, thinking back that long. But um, yeah, what a what a wonderful group of players, and what a wonderful wonderful team and journey that was it's just uh just yeah just so sad that it, that seems a world away now doesn't it yeah and the, I mean, again. we, we it had the, so unnecessarily far away as well yeah the thought of the 20 years you i mean the closest we've got is a couple of semi-finals and there were three semi-finals mm-hmm. but and, and, and a cup semi-final as well against arsenal but just starved of success you know we had, we had a couple of, we had luke and and um mark on um a few weeks ago on, on, on our live show and kind of asking them, you know, having not grown up with any of the Premier League era stuff, um, do you feel like this history's hanging over us? And it's like, no, we, I, I wish we'd, we'd been there, but it's something to be proud about. And it seems like the club is doing its best to kind of try to slope your shoulder or kind of brush that stuff under the carpet when really they should be trying to embrace it a bit more. But the good thing is, you know, Suffolk, um, you, um, did you guys put on Graham the the full commentary of the ninety games? Yeah, Mark? I think we had. Did we? Play, I can't remember whether we played the full game or not, but we certainly played a good chunk of it. Um, but yeah, that was uh, in, in terms of the, the summer kind of highlight for me in broadcasted terms. Um, I wasn't involved so much in the in the the, the playoff actual program, but I, I did two programs over Easter dedicated to the 2000-2001 season, which Andy mentions. You know, the, if, if the if the playoff trophy was the moment. The following season really was the season when you know against all the odds, um, but playing some brilliant football as well. Town finished fifth, and it, it was it was such a joy to put that program together. I was listening back to some of the goal clips, some of the commentaries. You're know, going to Anfield, winning, and the Man City games and things like that. It was such a brilliant season. And Marcus Stewart um, arrived, didn't he? Just be um, a few months leading up to the actual the actual trophy lift for, for the playoffs, and then again doing it all again next season the Premier League it was just it was brilliant to listen back to yeah Andy is there a is there a sequel to the, the <laughs> fantastic 1990,000 documentary with the 2000-2001 one because you don't need too uh, many more cases do you well yeah if I'd thought about it before maybe <laughs> I, I, you've, got, you've got six more months it's fine yeah we'll see we'll, <laughs> we'll see, see. I'd, lo- I'd love to do another one again because it was um it was a lot of fun which we're going to try and do something it might be it might be slightly different but we'll let uh, We'll see. That's great. And that documentary is still available on the Kings of Anglia YouTube. And it's worth it just for the last few minutes with Marcus Stewart. When, um, I thought was it was my contribution there, Richard. I mean, oh, I mean Joe's in there as well. <laughs> but, you know, Joe, Joe's, Joe's fine. You know, he's, he's probably a seven or a, a seven out of ten. But Marcus Stewart, do you, did you ask him the question, what does it mean? Yeah, that, that, oh. was, that was literally the very oh, last, the very last bit that we filmed of the whole thing. The very last seconds of it, and um, yeah, yeah, he's had, had a few tears. Tony, it's like this was all filmed like a world apart. Like we went to to Blackburn to speak to Tony Mowbray and Mark Venus, and this was in like February. In the, that was the very first time I had to fill in a coronavirus form back in February when it was all new and this foreign. It was in Italy at the time, and it was like, "Have you been to Italy? No. Okay, come on in, come and see Tony Mowbray," and then. You get we had, we couldn't finish it till August time, but yeah, Marcus and Tony Mowbray at the end um, stirred up a fair few emotions. I think because yeah. you could just see how much the club and everything meant to these guys. Even now, all of them they've achieved so much in in football, all of them. But it it it's really really is right there on the heart yeah. for all of them. Absolutely yeah. love it. Yeah, and that and the supporters. That's the kind of stuff mm. that we love to see. Um, we go through through the rest of May. We've got good news. Um, Dobra signs a new three-year deal. Um, 
there's a league's one salary cap proposed. Um, Harry Redknapp reveals that Frank Lampard was offered the Ipswich job at the same time as Paul Hurst. Um, Marcus Evans and Darren McCanty are doing their best to get the, re- the season restarted in, into June. Um, I think it's Marcus Evans proposes a mini playoff tournament. <laughs> I mean, this is Graham. This can, we, is, can we play? There are sound barrels being scraped, aren't they? Um, Joey, quickly before we, we continue into the summer, um, Town take up the options on Brett McGavin, Andre Dizel, and Harry Wright. There's a contract for Andre Dizel, and I think Brett McGavin further on into the season. Um, the good news, obviously, that we're securing the young players with talent for long periods of time. Yeah, definitely. And but that's, like I say, you just see how many players we've got these days for for a League One squad. It is crazy. I sort of looked, I looked down. I think we've got fifty one players sort of on the books, effectively, who are either signed professional contracts or are third year scholars, effectively. So it is a mad, mad amount of players. But let's say all, all those, let's say Harry Wright's been in Sweden on loan. I don't think he, I think he only played one cup game there, but both Brett McGavin and especially Andre Dezel have made real positive impacts to the first team this season. Yep. Um, into June, we've got the new home kit, um, marking the 40th anniversary of the UEFA Cup win. More history being rubbed in the players' faces. <laughs> um, we have a September start confirmed for the new season. We finally get details of the uh, season ticket refund man that must have taken a while we graham or andy were either of you being you know forced by supporters to try and stick it to the club on this one because it seemed every single day and we asked and we asked and we asked and it was coming and coming and coming it they certainly took their time on that didn't they got new and there was a it was quite a read wasn't it really it's like well a lot, lot of info to go to go yeah. through Six um, options. Yeah, well, I'm not sure the um, the owner. He, he's been accused of of getting things wrong in other departments. But did he get it right with that? I'm I'm not so sure. Really, five, six options. I think a lot of a lot of supporters were very, very generous during that period. Yeah, I'm not sure they're going to be so generous. Give, this time given around. what, yeah, given what they'd had to put up with, you know, in the immediate months prior to to the season ending. Um, yeah, I'm not sure he he got that right. It's, um, it's, it's very difficult, isn't it? Sort of. I know. It was sort of discussed at the time, but I was just on a, before I came on this. I was just doing a Zoom with some of my school friends, and one of them's a scene at Crystal Palace, and he sort of said, "Oh, what's going on at Ipswich with the tickets?" And for him, it's just I paid full price my season ticket. I haven't been to any games. I can't go to any games. There's no talk of a refund, and this is a fan who's wow. for other club sort of getting a hundred million pounds this year. They're just. He's like, well, I needed to keep hold of it because me and my dad and my brother have got three tickets in a row. And if we give them back, we might not get one next season. So wow. say, it's, not, it's not just here where it's there's problems. And like I say, when you see these clubs with a lot more money than us and Evans is just sort of like pocket um, sort of having to get his wallet out every month to pay the difference. It is a difficult situation. Yeah, we had Scunthorpe came out pretty much straight away and said, we will not be refunding anything. So, yeah, different side of the spectrum, isn't it? Um, um, Evans, at least, has had one go at it. Graham, you can to figure out what he needs to do in um, June, July, whatever happens, maybe, if um, if we don't get back into the stadium. Um, also, also in June, we've got um, League One clubs voting to end the seasons early on points per game, despite Marcus's best efforts. And I think there was kind of like this one where we were trying to curry favour and negotiate and get people to vote in a certain way. It started getting very kind of the thick of it. Andy, yeah. did you, like, did you yeah. get any insights on that? Um, yeah, it, it was like trying to whip the vote, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah. yeah. Um, quite frankly, the it was a bit embarrassing, wasn't it? Try, was it a ten team a ten team playoff that, that was proposed from it from it? Yeah. Let yeah. it go. Let it go. <laughs> At least you, he was trying. <laughs> yeah, you, you, your your chance to get promoted was was on the pitch, and you, you met. You, you messed that up. I'm, yeah. I can see why you would try by hook by crook, but I don't know. I don't know if fans would have particularly fallen in love with a team that gone promoted up, got promoted after desperately trying to claw their way back to the championship, having failed. I, I don't know. It, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think people would have cared that much. By once the season started, I think it would have just been forgotten about. Rather than think? yeah, 
And like I say, I, I, I do think it was a little bit, it was sort of embarrassing from all sides, us trying to get the, the teams that were in the playoff positions voting to end the season, even though they were going to then play yeah. the playoffs. It was just, it was impossible to let the clubs vote on something that was just pure self-interest. And I say it was just so poorly managed by the EFL from the sort of start to the finish. And sort of, for me, the big concern is how, far away League One has got from the championship in all this, yeah. in, in everything. And I say it's it's a worrying sign for the future of the game. Yeah, we, t- we talked about the tin pottery of League One, didn't we? And the fact that most of the teams were so happy and quick to not continue to play as professional football clubs. I think we, we talked about that quite a lot in the summer on, on the pod as well. Um, so, yeah, League, League, League One clubs vote to win the season, um, putting down 11th, our lowest league finish in 67 years clearly by default um into july we've got caden jackson turning down a new contract more on the caden jackson rumors in a bit um partosh biakowski wins the golden glove for millwall shock horror um are you watching paul hurst um paul lambert we have to learn from last season um having previously said in june we paid the price for a bad couple of months quote um i, I remember probably at quote tweeting these and having lots of sarcastic comments to these and the players come back to training um and then this we've got this situation with flynn downs andy um leonil comes out saying flynn downs is committed as ever despite interest from palace we've got two bids that go into august well let's keep going on this because september mm. he's he's given kind of a week off his need to get his yeah. his head right um That's- Seems a lifetime ago that, doesn't it? Mm. It feels it. Um, there, wasn't it? Yeah. In, ter- in terms of the bids, I, I don't think Palace and Ipswich ever got anywhere near each other in terms of in terms of valuation. I don't think Flynn was particularly well advised, both internally and ex- externally, during during that in terms of the way that the way that he handled it. But I completely understand why he'd want to go. Of course, I do. Um, but I think. Certainly, in terms of outside influences, I don't think he was particularly well advised through that process because I, he he played his hand incredibly early. It felt in terms of getting a a move over the line that wasn't anywhere near the line. If that makes sense, you're kind of diving for the finish line and you're still twenty twenty yards from the from the end, and it it just didn't just didn't happen. It'd be really interesting to see where he's at when he's he's back in the team which hopefully won't be too really like genuinely on this one not not Vincent Young style like genuinely isn't too far away by the sounds of things yeah so yeah so we, we'll see um I don't know if teams will be coming in for him in January now necessarily he's, he's barely kicked a ball um and I don't think Ipswich will have dropped their price so It'd be really interesting to see where he's at when he's back in the team because, for me, he's he's the difference maker of all these players coming back. He's the one. Yeah, and and I think Joe, you were talking about this last week. He he he's possibly the partner to bring out the best in Andre Dezel as well, and you, know, that's, you want to see that, don't you? Yeah, well, we seem to have sort of moved to more of a sort of four-two-three-one than the sort of four-one-four-one with Dezel sitting sittings. I just don't think. The sort of defensive protection was there, but if you put down, say you you get both sides, you get the defensive side, and you get the player that can get up the pitch. So, and like, I said, and also you've got players that have played together for ten years who know each other's game like the back of their hand. He definitely brings out the best in Andre, doesn't he? I, he Andre needs players that's on are on his wavelength. Mm. Flint certainly on that. I think even in the last couple of games, we've seen the benefit of Andre playing alongside once someone a little further forward in in terms of breaking from midfield and some one twos on the edge of the box in the last couple of games that have looked like they're going to cause some trouble. But pair him and Flynn, and uh, you could really yeah. be onto something there. Yep. And like I said, I know Emmy Hughes hasn't been that impressive this season, but it it felt in the Burton game it really unleashed Dazelle a little bit. To, to sort of play more of that sort of, like you say, getting forwards game and sort of actually having a bit of presence in front of the back four as well. The chat about 2020 um, just kept going. So we've split this into two. Um, this is the end of part one. Part two will be out um, within the next day or so. We hope you enjoy that. Hope you're taking care of yourself and enjoying Christmas and New Year and relaxing. Um, and as I said, keep eyes peeled for part number two. Thanks for listening.
It's the promotion running. Everyone is gathered round to watch. The McNuggets share boxes are there offering much needed distraction. Your mate's already been booked for double dipping, but in you swoop to steal the last nuggets and claim all three points. Oh, and there is the Harry Clark fist pump to celebrate. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in at participating restaurants. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.